Podcast. My name is Tim Peterson. I'm a senior media editor at Digiday. And I'm Keely Barber, media editor at Digiday. Keely, so it is that time of the year once again where we have our now annual, I think this is our third time doing it, so I think we could say annual creator series kicking off. Um, but we're doing something a bit different this year. Yeah, adding a, a secondary theme on top of the creator series, looking at short form vertical video, which I know is one of the hottest topics in the industry right now. Absolutely. And so obviously, short form vertical video kind of starts with TikTok these days. And so the creator series starts with TikTok and with your conversation with Kat Stickler. Yeah. So spoke with Kat Stickler. She joined TikTok pretty much when a lot of the TikTok creators joined right at the start of the pandemic. Um, I know I've been following her for at least two years now, which is um, a crazy thing. But um, yeah, we we talked about not just like her joining the platform and building an audience there, but you know what's going to happen to TikTok if it does get banned in the U.S. and uh, how she's building her business outside of TikTok. And um, you know, I think one of the biggest, you know, most interesting things from this talk was how she's already feeling brands kind of move away from TikTok and starting to work with her on other platforms like. Uh, Instagram and YouTube and building a following there as well. So yeah, starting with TikTok, but also very tumultuous topic in the realm of social media. Right, absolutely. So in the spirit of short form video, uh, we'll keep this intro pretty concise and take it away, Kayla. <laughs> Thanks, Tim. Kat, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm glad we figured it out. We can do this. Yeah. I know. After a couple t uh, technological hiccups, we are on. We are good. We are recording. Thank you so much. And you are kicking off our creator series. So we do this. This is the third year now that me and my co-host Tim do our uh, creator series. And we take a month of time to talk with different creators, influencers, um, content makers across a variety of different platforms and home in on some of the biggest opportunities and challenges and, uh, you know, other exciting things going on in the world of, of social media. So you are kicking off this year's series. Um, and we're going to talk about TikTok. I know there's a lot going on with TikTok. Um, it's been, you know, a very popular news focus point for the past couple of weeks. But before we get into all of that, I would love to know what your origin story is with TikTok. What made you want to start posting on it? I think I saw you on the platform back in like 2021. Um, but what was your kind of introduction into TikTok? So I was working at a hospital as a research coordinator and then I got pregnant. And then right after I had the baby, like when it was time to go back, COVID happened. So couldn't go back to my job. And so I was just kind of a new mom and kind of dealing with PPD and not really understanding what was going on in this new life because it was, you know, an unexpected pregnancy and all those things. Um, just making videos made me feel better. And I would like talk about funny stuff and then I'd talk about sad stuff and then I'd talk about a skit I had in my head. <laughs> it's just a way to allow me to be creative because I wasn't really having human interactions. So it was a beautiful gift to be able to do that. Yeah. One of my best friends also had a baby right during the pandemic. And, um, you know, social media was a good kind of outlet for her, although I think she's considered more of a lurker than a, a you know, active poster. But um, yeah, I, I, I 
have a somewhat familiarity through her um, experience, but um, you have a very kind of personal approach to how you use the platform. You show your family life, you show, um, you know, what you're going through very candidly. And I think TikTok is a interesting platform in that regard because it rewards, you know, candid posts and and people being very honest. Um, what was that kind of adjustment for you? Like, was it a natural kind of thing to be open and, um, you know, talking to your followers so candidly? Or was that, you know, a little bit interesting? I know, like, coming from Instagram, it's always so polished and so, you know, put together. Like, was it a natural kind of flow for you to be as candid and open on TikTok as uh, as you are now? Uh, that's a good question because it's so many people, but you're just talking to your phone. So it feels so much safer. And my therapist at the time, because um, I was like on this new medication and I was so breastfeeding, it's the whole thing. And she was like, you just need to talk about this, like express it because I wasn't telling anyone. And I'm like, okay, let me just tell the internet and <laughs> not my parents. So kind of doing that was really cathartic for me, but also both sides of the coin. It was difficult when people would, you know, comment on what I look like or if I'm funny or not, or how I am as a mom or a wife at that moment. So it was definitely a growing experience, but it was a very instrumental part of my healing, actually, just being able to talk about it and feeling like one person, just knowing that one other person was going through it, like, oh my God, I'm going through the same thing. My doctor just, I just had a baby like four months ago. I've been experiencing this and this, this. And it was just a nice, you know, outlet to communicate because I, nobody was communicating. It was like peak COVID. Everyone was locked down, locked down, locked down. Right, right. So between 2020 and 2023, how is your kind of, what has your trajectory looked like on the platform? Like how, like at what point did you have maybe more of a routine with it? Um, do you feel like it's, you know, a, a job now or do you still feel like it's a, a fun kind of, you know, opportunity to express, you know, what you're feeling in the moment? Like what's the, what's your relationship with the platform? How has that changed over the past three years? Oh, okay. That's a great question. So it was actually, I kind of, my name's Kat. So I like to think I have like nine lives, nine lives of cat. And TikTok was a part of one of my new lives, which was being a mom. And it was also a part of my other life, which was being a single mom. And it's got me through a lot. The trajectory in the beginning was honestly, I'm a new mom. Like, let's talk about it. Let's have fun. Um, wholesome content, very couple oriented. Um, that point when we split, it was... I actually, I wasn't very open about it because on the outside, it was this quintessential beautiful family. and we have this beautiful daughter and we're just happy and joking and it's always fun. And then we had to announce that it was also like for business. We had to announce it for business. Like I would have done it differently if we didn't have work on the line and it was like contracts that we had to fulfill. So I don't know. I think to answer your question, my relationship actually with the platform changed because my life was changing with it. And so were my followers. So were the comments. So was the content. People were like, you got divorced because of your humor. Like it was, there's always truth in humor and you were being too harsh. Like when you were joking, I'm like, and I just remember thinking it was all my fault and thinking, wait a minute, this wasn't my fault. I didn't do anything wrong. Like I'm not going to let someone who doesn't know my story, like project that on me because it did have a power to make me feel good. But if you let something make you feel good, it can also make you feel like 
the worst. So it was very, um, it kind of, it was healing for me in that sense as well, because it toughened me up. It toughened me up. It got me ready for divorce, mediation, dealing with, you know, the person you divorce is not the person you married. And it's kind of growing thicker skin. I've never really had thick skin. I've always been very hard on my sleeve kind of girl. And it kind of toughed me up. And um, yeah, I mean, I've never really said that out loud, but that's definitely what it did. It made me grow a backbone when I really didn't want to, because people, you know, were saying things, people feel a certain way about divorce and um, very like, you know, no matter what, no. And I'm like, you don't know. Like I had no choice. Like you don't know, you know? So it was big growing process for me. I always say, I can't imagine these younger girls. Like I'm in my twenties. I'm 28 though. Like I'm late twenties. So these girls that are like teenagers and early twenties, I was so impressionable at that point And so insecure that, you know, that's kind of wild that they're doing that. Cause if I have trouble at this age and I've learned so much, I can't even imagine. So I'm, I'm pretty grateful that it happened at the age it did. Cause I don't know if I could have handled it if I was any younger. Yeah, no, it is a tough platform. And I think, you know, there's been a relationship with social media and how it impacts people's psyches, you know, for almost, you know, over a decade, whenever, you know, the the big platforms, Facebook, Instagram first came around and um, maybe even MySpace. I, I didn't personally use MySpace, but, um, you know, it, I think there's been such a relationship with how the platforms can impact people's um, emotions and self-worth and, you know, things that you wouldn't expect it to, but, um, you know, it makes a lot of sense. And then having this be your your job on top of it, you know, you can't just turn off the app and walk away. You have to, uh, you know, figure out a way to make sure you're, you're feeling stable as well. Um, and not that, like, you know, we don't have to dwell at all on, on the, you know, hard stuff. But my, my mom and my dad went through a divorce when I was two, I think. And so it's, it's been something to watch my mom, you know, through life have to build that backbone and, and develop that, you know, sense of being a, a single parent when she wasn't expecting to. So it, it is hard and I've seen how she's worked through it, but yeah, I don't know. I, I I think that's how I've resonated with your content so much is because I have seen it through my mom too. And uh, it's nice to know that like there are humor and, and light spots that that come with, you know, the hard stuff too. But getting getting back into like the the business of TikTok, right? And how you've developed, you know, uh <laughs> Developed. I'm crying. A, you know, are you saying that? <laughs> so this is this is so deep for the Digiday podcast. Sorry, audience. No, um, it's really nice. I just want you know my daughter to see that too, and just know like, mom did her best. Like I was young, I'm doing my best, and everything I do is for you. So that was so cool. Like you saying that. Sorry, keep going. Business side. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I, I think it's important to say because like what you're doing, it's so personal. It's, you, you show such like a light side of life, but you're also dealing with the the hard parts too. And I, I think it's important for people to realize that, especially um, having to be so publicly facing on an app like this. Um, and that's something that's always re- resonated with me when I've watched your content. Um, but yeah, so business side, right? That's that's uh, why people listen to, to Digiday content, right? Um, but um, I guess I'm curious about like, you know, what about TikTok 
and being a creator do you like the most about the platform? Do you find that like there's just so much opportunity with brands that want to be, you know, reaching this kind of demographic? I feel like, um, you know, because it's so personal and raw, there's been this very intense movement of marketing dollars to the platform. So is it like the opportunities that you get from the platform? Is it, you know, those those positive moments of connection with audiences? Like what's the thing about being a creator on TikTok that, you know, excites you the most? I think the virality that TikTok can reach so many people is unlike anything I've ever seen with any social media platform, to be honest. I think Facebook has tried to replicate it. Instagram has tried to replicate it. I don't think anyone's been able to really understand that algorithm. Um, I don't even understand that algorithm. I'm like, oh, this is going to do great. And it doesn't even, you know, hit a million. And then I'm like, oh, I just do this one together. And it's like 10 million overnight. So it's, you really don't know, but that's also human emotion. You don't know. It, it's, it's unpredictable. And that's the crazy side of TikTok, but that's also the side of TikTok that makes representing brands a lot easier because you're given a lot more freedom to say, hey, I tried this. I don't like it. Or I don't have to say yes to this. Like, this isn't my only source of income coming in. Like, it's a chance to connect with the people on a different way. Like, it's true, vulnerable, like being authentic. And to be trustworthy, you know, you have to be truthful. And it's so nice to be able to do that and still, you know, have a job. Because I can't imagine in the beginning, like starting off, that wasn't my mindset. You know, I was, I didn't have to go, you know, paycheck to paycheck until I did. And so... I'm glad I had that organic upbringing with it, but I think it brings a relationship between the consumer and the brand. It makes them a little closer and they feel more, I don't know, they feel like they're being respected more. Like you're not just getting sold something because someone told me to sell this for you and they'll pay me money. You know, like I actually like this brand. Like like over here, I have literally all these Olay products. Olay is one of my favorite brands. My mother used it, my grandmother's used it and I get to work with Olay and other brands reached out and I'm like, I can't. I'm just waiting for Olay to reach out and they still haven't. And then they did. So I was like, it just, it's a great, um, I think it's a great thing for creators and the consumer to just have, it's so easy in this industry to be like, you just don't want to deceive people. And I think people can see through that instantly. I think they can see through that. I know like when I was younger and I would buy something from like a YouTuber or an influencer and it didn't, it was crap. I'd be like, that's it. Like no more. I would feel like duped. I'm like, you, I, I'm supporting you and yeah. you duped me, you know? So I think it allows a much more honest relationship that social media doesn't really see. Like you feel closer. Like I'm just a regular girl, like just talked about what I was going through and it just resonated with people. I think, you know, vulnerability is the root of all connection. So I think that was a big part of it. And it's the business side, quote unquote, is that it's buying with trust and buying with confidence and buying because, Hey, I want to support this person because I'm invested in their life and I know they're going through a hard time and this will be supporting them. And I know I want to support them because they're not going to give me a product that is not good for me or that I won't like. Yeah. And I think that's, it gets into that de-influencing trend that was on the platform, you know, recently too. And, and people being very like critical of how fast TikTok can move products and, and not always, you know, products that deserve it. Um, you know, I've definitely, fallen victim to uh, like the Stanley Cup trend, right? Like everyone was buying that like giant water bottle and, you know, it's I a water bottle. I see it back there. Nice. Is that the Stanley one? Yeah. Yeah. The blue one there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, product placement. No one can see it, but there it is. Honestly, um, I was working yeah. at a workout class and this girl had it next to me and I'm like, do I just suck it up and buy it? Like I bought this thing that was viral on TikTok. I'm like, I'm not going to buy it because everyone has it. It's this Ilya thing. 
It's supposed to be. Yeah. So I've just seen it everywhere. And I'm like, like the skin tint, right? Yeah. Yeah. And the, that's the thing. Like the it being – and I would love to talk more about how you approach brand partnerships because I think being judicious and how you partner with brands, which ones you feel comfortable partnering with, and you know, at the same time, you're – trying to make money, you're making a living off of these platforms. Like I'm sure some brand deals come in, you know, super hot and they're like, hey, we'll give you a, a ton of money. Just please like post a TikTok. Like where do you feel the pressure to lean in? Where do you feel the pressure, like feel like you have the room to lean out? And how do you approach brand deals um, for a platform that's just attracting so much attention from brands right now? Well, because of this whole potential ban, brands have been now everyone's backing up. They're like, wait, we don't really want to invest in this. If it's not going to be this, you know, evergreen content that's going to be on this app, continuing to gain views and people are going to watch it. So it has made me take a step back and really realize that the only thing I have, right, is my reputation. Like that's all I got. So it's not, it's not harder for me to say no to brands now, even at this point when it's more detrimental, when like things are kind of coming to a halt and it's, stressful. It's scary. Like, you know, I have a daughter and I'm, you know, trying to buy a place and I'm renting this one now, but it's, it's just kind of doing all the logistics in your mind. And it's realizing that if I say no and keep my reputation, that is more important because they can follow me on other platforms. They can do that. But I like swore from the beginning, I think there was one brand I literally, uh, I'm not going to say the name, but I remember it was like an okay brand. It was like a cheap product. And it was like, I think it was like 10 bucks. And I'm like, I would never use this. And I months felt so guilty for like doing the ad for it. Um, and I was like, never again, never again, never again. Will I ever do that and compromise like my integrity for a paycheck? Cause it's just at the end of the day, that's not going to get you your business blossoming. It's not going to get people to trust you. It's not going to get mm-hmm. to the point where you can do your own product and you don't have to be working for other people. So yeah, I hope that answered your question. I kind of bounced off the walls It there. does. No, it does. Because I think that's maybe where the de-influencing trend stemmed from is like all of these products that it very was very evident that like people were just hopping on a bandwagon because the ad dollars were there. And, um, you know, I'm trying to think of some other products that I remember like contemplating heavily, um, you know, like the Dyson Airwrap right. was one that was extremely viral. And, you know, I do not get paid enough money for that. So I, that was an easy no from me. But, you know, there's a lot of people who I think then came on uh, the apps or on YouTube and said like, yeah, it actually isn't worth the money. Like, you know, save save the time, save the effort. Like, And I think, you know, that's – a large part of where the de-influencing trend came from is, you know, people seeing the the transparent uh, ad placements, right? So it makes it makes a lot of sense. Um, you said something very interesting about brands kind of being hesitant now with the platform with the potential ban. Like, how significant is that? Like, what's the uh, is it like a very evidently like noticeable decrease? Yeah, I think people are just. It's definitely like I'm taking a step back, like. It's kind of like instead of going into a relationship ready to date, you're like, uh, like, I don't know if I'm over my ex kind of thing. Like, you're just like, uh, like, yeah. So that's, that's a big one. And I also think for the, for these, for all creators and even the businesses to have, um, to understand and be in touch with, I get sent products every day, but they're free quote unquote to me. 
nothing's free, right? You know, they want something in return, but I, now I have to look up every single product. How much is this? I'm like a hundred dollars. That's crazy. This, I can have a, a dupe for $25, you know? So it's also being in touch with price tags. Like you said, the Dyson Airwrap, it's being in touch with that. Cause I was all gung ho for that. And I'm like, yeah, Dyson Airwrap. And then I tried one, you know, an, another brand. I'm like, this works great too. And it's, you know, less than half the price. So it's really being in touch with the consumer because it's so easy to get out of touch when you're just kind of flooded with all this stuff and like you feel like you have to push it out, like never feel that pressure because it won't come off genuine and, you know, you won't feel good about what you're putting out. So I think that's a big thing that I feel like creators um, are kind of getting back in touch with and same with brands. We're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsor and we'll be right back. So you mentioned your partnership with Olay, um, and I know you've done some other ones, but that one seemed to have like a lot of, um, more than just like product placement, right? Like there seemed to be a little bit more of a larger kind of engagement play around it. Can you talk a little bit about what you did with them around, I think it was Valentine's Day, right? Yeah. So we did like a whole, we've just been doing everything. I, I, we, Olay was, my manager was like, what is one of the dream brands? And I said, dear God, it's Olay. Olay hear me and I will be your number one fan. Um, cause I would see them do ads, you know, before and I'm like, ah, I would do that so much better. Like I bet that girl doesn't even know what she's talking about. Um, so when they finally did reach out, it was great because if you're working with a brand, if that brand lets you be yourself creatively, like they're not just using you for your platform, they're using you for your personality. They're using you because they like the message you bring and they like the humor you bring or, or whatever it is that your niche is. Um, it was so nice. Cause they were like, we think you're funny and we want you to just be funny. And here you can put our product and make it funny. And I'm like, what? That's my dream. And then it made me, when brands do that, it makes me just want to perform even better, just even better, even better. Like organic, organic. Like I just, it's so easy. Cause I actually genuinely love this product. So that's why, like you can tell, you can tell when you love a product and you're promoting it and you can tell when you have no connection to it. Like when I, I was on a Zoom call with them today, I know the names of everyone on the team. You know, they ask about my personal life. It's just a very different transaction and it's not so impersonal. And if that translates onto the content. So yeah, Olay is one of my babies. I love Olay and I think I love them more because they accept me for who I am. If that sounds true, like they're not just like, we want you to do this and this and this. They're like, no, what do you think? You know, we don't have a TikTok like you. So we trust you. And I'm like, a lay? Trust me? So yeah, it's. I think that's also important for brands to notice too. It's how they communicate, I guess, that with their creator. I can only talk about like the comedy side of mine because that's usually what I do for ads. But yeah, I do I do love my Olay. Well, because I think like some creators will take the approach of like, I'm not going to talk about any products um, unless it's an ad, right? Like unless they're paying for it. Um, I think what to your point about kind of that natural like progression is like you've used something, you know, you know, daily for years. Like I'm sure you've mentioned it organically before. Like, do you find that you can bring brands into the mix if like like you call them a, a dream brand to work with with your manager. Like, can you find like do you find that like you know talking about um, something on your page that you like a lot uh, brings in brands that way? Like kind of starting organic and moving into a relationship, or yeah. is it like you have to be? Yeah, I think I 100 think so. There's another brand I'm really trying to work with. Um, it's 
called Stir with a U-S-T-U-R. And it's like this water enhancement thing. But you know, my daughter loves it. I love it. And I've tried like all of them. And I'm like going to do a video after this. and be like, hey, Stir, it's me again. Just using your product. Like I really want to work with them because I think they're so good. And I've been looking for one that helps me drink more water. I just travel so much. And I don't know what it is about planes, but I just don't want to drink water when I'm traveling. I'm like, I don't have time for that. Um, but this makes me drink water and I feel so good and I love how it tastes and I love the electrolytes and I love that it has vitamins and I love the ingredients. So I'm like, blah, 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 like I love it. So I just, that's going to be another one. So it does. I think it does. Any of those brands that I've really tried that, and they're like, oh, she's, she's doing this. She wants us to, it'll be a great fit. It, it does work out really nicely when that happens. Interesting. So like kind of doing outbound cold calls through a very public forum has worked in the past. Okay. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. I'm curious about how you approach your like posting on TikTok. And I'm, I guess mainly I'm getting at, um, are you actually worried about the TikTok ban impacting your like organic posting on the platform? Like, do you anticipate audiences leaving? Do you feel like you have to push them to other platforms like more aggressively now? Like, what's your, like, what's your thought as a creator? Honestly, I know that if, you know, TikTok ended tomorrow, I would be okay. But I also think as a creator, it does, whenever you're like, you're doing something that's backed by fear, it kind of adds a little bit more like, yeah, I I am realizing that I am working a lot on YouTube now, which I was kind of just, yeah, whatever YouTube. And now I'm also going back to Facebook. I'm like, I don't remember the last time I used Facebook. So it's me kind of getting back in touch with this stuff because it's the smart thing to do. Um, I don't know. I think banning TikTok instead of regulating TikTok. It's just like, it's silencing over 150 million American users, you know? So it's just a very, you know, un-American thing, quote unquote. And it's, you know, the first amendment, like, I don't know. So I'm still learning about it. Like I read the whole bill and I watched the whole uh, hearing that they had, but it's kind of hard to comprehend that they would do that. But but I don't know. But I don't know. But either way, it'll all be okay. I don't want to stress about it. But yes, in your to answer your question, I have seen myself like not just being all of my eggs are on TikTok. All of my eggs. No, like now you have to like take a step back and distribute your energy and, you know. Well, because you have a pretty substantial following on um, Instagram. You have over a million followers on Instagram. Your YouTube is pretty big too, like over 200,000 subscribers there. Like how have you – seen those audiences grow. And obviously YouTube is a very different beast than TikTok. It's a different, you know, it's horizontal, it's uh, longer form, like more effort, I'm sure to a degree in terms of like just content planning and, and filming. Like what's, what's your content strategy for moving off of TikTok and onto some of these other platforms? I think there's not really a strategy. I've kind of just found that you know, you go on, you, you log on to these social media platforms. You have a different psychology in each one, right? Like if I'm logging into Instagram, I'm wanting different content delivered to me than if I was on Facebook or TikTok. So it's understanding some content will do better on Instagram than it will TikTok. Some content will do better on Facebook than it will Instagram. So it's just putting it out. I think that's the thing. I think I found myself at one point not wanting to put anything out. You're just scared. It'll won't do well or so what? Next day, do something else. Next day, push it, push it, push it out. And you have nothing to lose. Just push it out. It's kind of scary to do that because it's your work, quote unquote, and you're letting everyone kind of judge it. But yeah, just don't get the, don't debilitate yourself like that. I think 
a lot of creators do that naturally. I know I find myself trying to do it a lot, but getting back in touch with that, like just post, just do it helps grow on all the platforms. And I have noticed growth, especially like, you know, YouTube, Facebook, even Instagram. Yeah. Like now that I'm paying more attention to the analytics and the insights and the link clicks and the profile visits, all that stuff, it has grown, but has it grown because they're changing something or has it grown because now I'm noticing it growing more because I'm paying more attention to it and, you know, putting more time into it. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that's a good point. And like, I guess I'm curious too, like how much of an overlap I mean, I'm sure it's very difficult to know um, exactly which of your followers on TikTok are following you on Instagram or are following you on on YouTube. But does it feel like, like demographics wise, it's a different kind of audience that's watching you on these other platforms? Or does it feel like the same kind of familiar viewership that you're used to or that you kind of were used to or or grew on on TikTok? I really don't try to space them out. I think about them kind of the same. My YouTube people see a totally different side of me. They see me in 10, 20 minute spans talking about my emotions. Um, Instagram sees a different side of me through stories, like more time with my daughter, some, some pictures. This is what I did. This is what's on my mind. And TikTok sees this very curated sometimes because sometimes I go on there and I'm like bawling my eyes out. I'm like, this was the worst day ever. I can't do it. Um, so... I try to look at it as the same, but I think people know where to go based, I don't want to say what version of me they want, but you get different sides of me based on the platform. Not because, you know, I'm trying to be some type of way, but I just feel like on YouTube, I can talk more, obviously, because I have 20 minutes now instead of 60 seconds to keep your attention. And on Instagram, I can be more chill and relaxed because it's a day-to-day story or it's, you know, a post. That So yeah, I think that it's whatever they want from me, I guess, if that makes sense. Like, interesting. What side yeah. of cat they want. Yeah, no, that makes sense because, like, with your TikTok, I know you do, like, a lot of skits. And I think I've seen those um, syndicated or reposted on Instagram and um, I think Facebook as well. Um, YouTube being a more conversational format, I guess. Um, yeah, I guess I'm curious. Do you have a lot of, like, do you – ever do skits on YouTube or is it just like purely, uh, you know, maybe vlog style or, you know, talking about, you know, how you're feeling and things of that nature? Like do certain like comedic things just don't work as well on YouTube as the other platforms that you're on? That's a good question. I've noticed a growth in shorts because I think that's what I'm allocating a lot of my growth on YouTube to are these shorts that are kind of getting pushed and the skits get pushed very well in the shorts. Um, YouTube loves my Hispanic mother for reels or shorts. I did think about doing like a skit, but I honestly don't know if I could stay in character for like 20 minutes. Cause I also write all these jokes out and I test them. There's so many Hispanic mothers that no one's seen because I'm like, that's not funny. That won't work. So I honestly don't know if I have enough content to do that. But I remember when I was younger, seeing other creators that did that and it was funny and who knows maybe, but I feel like attention span nowadays is much more, much smaller. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, like the early days of YouTube, it was a lot of quick skits. And I feel like that's, you know, TikTok and Instagram and um, even Snapchat have kind of filled the the void of where those skits go. I, I know what you mean, though. I remember like 
early, early, early YouTube was like shoes and like muffins and the one guy who's like cleaning the house in a frantic like mess, like acting like his mom or something like that. Like that was the early days of like really funny YouTube. But you're right. I think there is a different kind of um, approach. Most of what I watch on YouTube now is like vlogs or, you know, influencers talking about their day and in like hauls and things of that nature. It it does feel slightly different nowadays. It's so different, yeah. But honestly, I've asked people, I'm like, what do you want to see? And they're like, that. We want to see what you do on a day. Like, we want to see what it's like. And I'm like, it's so normal. Like, I'm just with my kid and then I go on these calls and then I go traveling and then I come back to my kid, you know? But I try to do it because if they want to see, I'm like, just because I think it's boring doesn't mean it's boring to everyone. But that's a good point. It's definitely different content now. But I also think that's because we have so many other different platforms too that it's kind of forced these other platforms kind of adapt in their own way. Well, and what you were saying about like different sides of of you, like it makes sense that people kind of want the behind the scenes, like look at your everyday because, you know, you are such a big persona on a lot of these platforms. Like, again, I feel like I've seen your content since very soon after you started posting and it's, you know, a, a, you're a, a fixture of TikTok that I've just always had kind of there. So I understand the urge to like want to know more about like who, who this person is that I've watched for, for years at this point, which is crazy to say it's been years. Um, but yeah, so I guess like take me through like a, a typical day. That said, take me through like a, a typical day from like a content um, production standpoint. Um, you mentioned you write jokes, you test them out. Um, like, do you have a planning meeting? Do you sit with your mom and like talk through, you know, different possible skits that you do? Like, what's your kind of approach to creating content? I wish it was this like beautifully curated, like I wake up at six and I brew myself some tea and I write in my journal outside, you know, because I'm like, that's how I'm going to be when I'm an adult. But it's definitely not like that. So just kind of bring you, so I just did a YouTube about my week and it was a very busy week. We had like Monday photo shoot in the morning for Mother's Day, sound check with Fox, next photo shoot, interview with Fox. Next thing you got to get MK from school. Then you have the next day and you're going to, you're flying to New York that night. And then when you're in New York at 10 AM, you're leaving to Miami because you already did your interview at 9 AM, you know, and now you're going to Miami for an event because you really want to connect with this brand. And then from Miami, you're driving home, which is Tampa. It's only four hours, but you're driving home that night to be able to get ready for an interview that's at 9 AM the next day at home. So it's very, some weeks are crazy like that, but there are also some weeks where Like I've had my daughter a little bit home from school just because I know I'm going to be traveling a lot and I just want her here with me. She's napping right now. So I'm like, this is perfect. That's why I planned the time for right now. Like, let's just plan it during nap time. It's a great idea. Um, So it honestly changes every day. And when other creators would say this, I'm like, that's so boring. Like what happens? Like, tell us. Like, it's, I swear it's really different every single day. It's like, some days I just don't do content because I'm like, I'm in a mood. And then sometimes I film something and I'm, I have to be in the right state of mind. I have to be in an elevated state of mind. I try to do um, cycle syncing, like to sync with my period, if that makes sense. So I'm very creative when I'm ovulating and I'm very less harsh on like critical on myself. So I like to plan filming the videos I really think are funny on those days. Like a lot of my viral videos were filmed when I was ovulating. <laughs> do, you, like, do you have any like cool tips? I'm like, yeah, I think it's what I do, but um, yeah, TMI, but fascinating. like, yeah, like I was crying right now and I knew it was going to happen on my period. Like I'm very predictable on my hormones. I know what's going to happen, 
Um, so I'm like, instead of letting it take over, I'm going to just try to maneuver this to make it help me out the best way. So that's really yeah, helped me a lot for you. Yeah. Make it work for you girls. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Well, do you like, then do you try to like write and film like most of your like comedic stuff in like that one? Well, I got it. I guess it depends per person, but like that, like one ish week, like time span or like, do you like if something hits you, you're like, oh, this would be so funny. Like, let me like do you, I guess how much of what you create is very like spontaneous. Like I'm just going to like, you know, do it now versus pre-planned. So I think I write a lot of jokes, like I was telling you, but I also come up with them off the cuff when I'm saying something and my mom's laughing and it reminds me of another funny thing and it just kind of brings more stuff out. So I would say it's half and half. I do write a lot, but when I say it, sometimes I don't even use one joke I wrote. It just kind of leads me to a segue where I think this is funny. Like I think a funny one I was thinking about last night in bed was, so the ideas come all all throughout sometimes, right? 2 a.m., 3 a.m. or like right now talking with you, but I like filming when I'm like in that peak state just because I'm, you know, more excited and more um, just confident in what I'm doing. Um, I wanted to do like a confessional thing, like kind of like with my Hispanic mother, like her confessing to like the Catholic priest kind of thing. So I was like, oh, that would be funny. Like she could be confessing and like he'll ask her something and she'll be like, that's none of your business. Like she just doesn't want to confess because that's, that's how I imagine her. So it's having the confidence like, okay, I know that's a great idea and I'll do it next week. So I don't have to worry about it right now. Just, it's okay. You're under a lot of pressure. You're under stress. It's all good. It just helps me have more fun with my content. Fascinating. Um, well, I really like that idea. So I'm going to keep an eye out for uh, your your mother in confession. Um, <laughs> so I also have like a question of like, how important is it like, like with reposting TikToks that do really well, right? Like you're going to likely put it on Instagram or put it on Facebook. Do you find that you have to use like the native platforms editing tools in order for it to get like the boost that the platform can give it? Or is it okay to just take, you know, a TikTok that did really well and put it on Instagram and like, you know, there's no issues with like getting the same traction? No, there's definitely I think that's something differences. that comes into a lot of creative teams. Yeah. Differences. Yeah. So um <laughs> Like I did a transition video and it's almost at 6 million on TikTok, right? But Instagram didn't receive it as well. And I was like, what the heck? But when I think about it, it had the TikTok emblem. I didn't remove the emblem. It was also not a trending sound on Instagram, but it was on TikTok. And transitions really, for me anyways, do better on TikTok because it's quick. It's fast. What sometimes does better on Instagram flops on TikTok. So I think it's, like I was telling you, like understanding your audience, but also it's okay if it flops, like push the content. There's, it's such an easy way, like for you to burn yourself out and just, I mean, I've been there. I'm like, I'm going to do a different video for every different platform and it's going to be so funny. And that's great for the first couple of days. And then you're like, am I not funny anymore? Like I can't come up with anything else. So yeah. I try not to think too deeply into it because it has not affected my numbers, but I do try to give each platform the same amount of TLC because I think, you know, I, I go through a lot of DMs on Instagram. I connect with my fans in a different way. I go through the comments on YouTube in a different way, you know? So it's just a different connection with the people you have on each platform and you have to curate that. And I think that'll translate in, in views ultimately. To kind of wrap up this question and bring it back to that like brands question, you mentioned that like, 
the brands sensing the ban are being a little hesitant, maybe not like as eager to drop, you know, big dollars on a platform that might not be evergreen, who knows. But are they coming to other platforms? Like, are you seeing a, a surge in Instagram? Are you seeing a surge in YouTube or even YouTube shorts if they're, you know, now able to to run ads against that, for instance? I'm seeing a surge in YouTube shorts um, and Instagram reels. Yeah. Just like, just mm-hmm. even like, cause it's Monday and I always look at my analytics on Monday and reflecting back to before the reels analytics have really grown and shorts as well have just almost doubled, honestly. So I mean, that's great for me, but I don't think it's a coincidence, like you said, you know, so they're doing what they have to, yeah. And so brands are kind of coming along and, and wanting to work with you on those platforms now? Yeah. And I think honestly, brands are kind of just waiting to see like what's going to happen. Like, are we going to work with her on this platform or are we going to wait and see how it rides out on TikTok or do we just post this on TikTok? You know, so or we can use it for another kind of platform that we have that we can promote on our end. It's just, I think, making them take a step back and plan more as they should, you know, just like I'm doing because, you know, I can't just, like I said, put all my eggs in this one basket because you never know. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you so much, Kat, for joining me. This was a really, really fun and very fast 40 minutes. Um, I really appreciate it. No, it was great. Your questions were so awesome. Way to go. I usually don't get Thank you. stumped by questions like that, but I'm like, wow, have I even asked myself that? No, I never have. So that was cool. Thank you. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode of the Digiday podcast. Thank you to everyone for listening. And please don't forget to share this episode with someone who you think would enjoy it. You can even rate us and leave a comment on Apple Podcasts if you like. We'll be back next week with another episode. 